0: Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Now you guys feel like you're really close. I'm scared. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Are you guys ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Uh, let's get started. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the gospel of John chapter number eight. Thank you. The Gospel of John, chapter number 8. When you get there, you can say amen. And anyway, whether you get there or not, it's on the screen, so you're always ready. Hallelujah. <laughs> the Gospel of John, chapter number 8. I think you can turn me down just a little bit hot, if you don't mind. Thank you. Uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. It reads, And everyone went to his house. I'm sorry, verse number one in chapter eight. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the mist. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go And sin no more. The title of our sermon this morning is Between a Rock and a Hard Place. Let us pray. With all honor and respect to you, Heavenly Father, we come, we bow, we worship your word. You are the king of glory. We come, Father, we know that this is a sacred moment because your presence is here. Father, I pray that you would see the hearts of every person here. Lord, you know where we are. Convict, change, draw us closer, speak to us about your son, about you, Jesus, so that we might know you in a more profound way that, Lord God, that not only will we be changed, but we will change the environment around us. Be magnified and be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen we have been in a series uh, talking about cultural culture transformation. And what we have been doing is really taking a close look at the life of Jesus. And we have been combating some of the traditional opinions that men have drummed up about who Jesus is. And so this whole series is really, uh, we want to kind of, a, for those who like photography, Kind of bring Jesus into sharp focus so that we can really begin to understand how Jesus really did communicate with those to whom he was around. Jesus was controversial. How many of you know that? He was a controversial Jesus because Jesus always went and he always bucked the system. How many of you love people that buck the system? Every now and then you meet people like that. They just kind of buck the system and you don't like it because you got your own little way of doing things. And here comes somebody, this joker, who wants to kind of change things. Jesus was a system bucker. I just made that up. Uh, that did that for the kids. I thought they would like that. Jesus, he bucked the system. and And so... We're going to look today at the life of this woman who was caught in adultery to gain some insight about how Jesus dealt with this woman and how we need to deal with those who are caught between a rock and a hard place. About uh, 13, 14 years ago, I was part of a church. I was on the praise and worship team. Uh, For those of you who may not have recognized it, I have a tad bit of a voice. I can sing just a little bit. I used to sing in weddings and I sang in the church and uh, I was quite active in those days and I was on the praise team. And uh, I had just come out of another church and I don't need to belabor that because some of you have heard the story over and over again. And so many of you know I came from a very legalistic background and uh, my church was very, very traditional uh, to the point that it was an era. And um, being a part of this new church, I got on the praise and worship team. Praise and worship team was awesome. The ministry was great. And there was a woman who was on the praise and worship team uh, that had, she was not married. And, uh, And I look up, you know, one day and I say, look, she looks like she's starting to, you know, maybe something is happening. You know, ladies, y'all help me out. You know where I'm trying to go with this, right? Because men, we can't do that. We can't tell y'all that, you know, so. <laughs> uh, but 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 I started to notice that, that she started to grow and that she was pregnant. And I remember thinking to myself, because I knew she wasn't married, this woman is pregnant. And she appears supposed to be singing Jesus' praises, Uh, what we really need to be doing is we need to be like addressing this woman's sin and we need to be bringing her out front and we need to let the whole church know because after all the scripture says, you know, rebuke those who are disorderly so that everybody may fear. So my thought process was that how can people in this church not know that this is sin? And that This woman need to be held accountable for her actions. The pastor, the leadership, they need to have a meeting and they need to bring this woman up front so that everybody can look at her sin and say all kinds of things about her. Well, let me tell you something. I don't really know. I didn't I wasn't privy to all of the conversations, but I can tell you this. There was no grace and mercy in my heart about anybody who had fallen into any sin. As far as I knew, the woman had been raped. As far as I knew, she had been taken advantage. I didn't know anything. I just instantly assumed this woman is a sinner. Therefore, drag her out. How do we know everything is not always what it appears to be? But there's something about the people of God that we just got this thing That we kind of love to shoot our wounded. It's like, what sin did you do? Boom. Go to the next one. Sit down. Get in the corner. What did you do? Boom. See, I was having a fellowship with my brother yesterday. We talked about, he was telling me about an experience he had in his service. And and when he told me about his buddy who had got hurt and how that made him feel. And, and, you know, here was a man who was engaged and he cared about his brother. And he would have did anything, even if it meant that he had to lay down his life for his friend. Right. But somehow in Christianity, we got this thing that when somebody blows it up and how me we know? Everybody mess up every now and then. Yeah. Come on. Everybody mess up every now and then. It's, it's something about the church. We, we, you know what? And We don't just want to. No, we want to know. I mean, oh, what did they do? Oh, really? Oh, they did what? And we, we want to hear all the gory details of their sin. Not so that we can pray for them, like most people say, you know. Not so that we can. But, but we want to know all the gory details so that we can go publicize their wrong and let everybody know what kind of person this is person is. Something about, I don't know what it is about the people of God sometimes. I, 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 think, uh, I think we kind of forget where we came from. My mother used to tell me all the time, son, no matter where you go, where you're in life, you know, don't ever forget where you came from. I grew up in a trailer park. My bedroom was about the size of this little area right here. I would be stretching if I said my room was from this corner to that chair. I would be stretching it. I grew up in very, very humble beginnings. And my mom would always say, boy, don't you ever, never forget where you came from. But, but when we get saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and we get the glory of Jesus on us, we kind of forget. Something in us tells us that we kind of earned this. Something in us said, well, I'm right with God. I've earned the right to kind of be, you know, you know I'm, I'm here and you're there. We forget that God's grace saved us Amen. not only did his grace save us but his grace keeps us Amen. and so we we got to get rid of this attitude of wanting to being quick to judge see th- think about it this way Jesus we said last week that Jesus wasn't a gotcha kind of person he wasn't a runner I mean no Jesus knew exactly what, what the problem was with men. Jesus wasn't caught by surprise about the sins. of mean, he knew exactly what he was dealing with. But Jesus did not respond. When Jesus was, he was more quick to love and to show mercy and to heal than he was to judge somebody for their sin. Jesus had a quick release, but his quick release was mercy. He had a quick release but his quick release he was always wanting to show mercy and that just baffled the pharisees and the that they could not stand that you can't do that jesus how are you going to come up here you see what this people what this woman have done what are you talking about jesus sinner and, and 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 something in us just always want to Underscore the wrong. We, we, we you know, it's, it's one thing to have to deal with sin and its consequences, but it's another thing when we go hunting for it. Yeah. Mercy. Go on in, let me just kind of dig up in your closet and see what you got going on. Hey, let me go to your house. Let me see what you got in your house. Let me see. 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 What you got? What you, what you got? What you listening to? What you got? What you got going on? Ooh, oh, ooh, I saw that. Something in us. And so we hear about another believer that has fallen prey. We hear about one of our soldiers that's been shot down. How many know the Bible says that we are we are soldiers? The Bible says endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. So you, you, you're, we're soldiers. We're, we're in the army of God, and we're one. are the, the only people to have a habit that when our wounded get shot down, we're quick to say, "Get on the shelf. You can't do this. You can't do that. Sit in the corner, and you sit there until I tell you to get out." Because you don't deserve to come back up. I don't care about your tears. Whoop-de-doo. Cry, but you ain't, God can't use you like no more. You just need to sit. Well, if Jesus had that attitude about us, how do we know many of us would be sitting for a real long time? See, the Bible says we can't think too highly of ourselves. It's something that we all have to battle with. We, We have to, because, you know, it's beautiful walking with Jesus. I mean, he changed you. I mean, he, he dressed you up. He washed you thoroughly. I mean, he made you clean. You feel good about yourself. Your head is lifted up. The air, the, the sky is blue. Everything looks good. The roses. I mean, it's beautiful with God. The transformation of what God can do to a people is amazing. But he never did that to the extent that we forget where we came from because the transformation started and it begins and it's going to end with him because the Bible says he's the Author and the finisher of our faith. That's right. so, so we need to rejoice. We need to be glad. But, but we also need to know that we can't be going around patting ourselves on the back like we all of that in a bag of chips and a little bit more. Uh, and my attitude got to be, brother, sister, I am what I am today. Let me tell you, if you see any good in me, if you see an ounce of goodness in me, give the praise to him. Give the praise to him because he did it because I know what I'm really like on the inside. Y'all don't really know me. You don't really, you don't want to get to know me. Pastor, I, I want to get it. No, you don't. It's all about Jesus. And Jesus had to combat this system, this system whereby there were Pharisees and men who thought themselves to be better than somebody else. And so here we find ourselves in this story of this woman who was caught in adultery. I mean, you know, she needed a second chance. Oh, by the way, God is the God of a second chance. Uh, you remember Moses when he blew it? Moses, the scripture said that Moses believed that people knew that Moses knew that he was called of God to lead the people out. But Moses, he tried to harry. He tried to get in front of God a little bit, and, and he ended up killing somebody, so he became a fugitive. You know, Moses had a warrant for him. How I many of you have had warrants on you? I'm sorry. No, uh, <laughs> oh, no, don't go there. Okay, come back to life. We'll come back to okay. Um <laughs> But Moses was a fugitive, and then God shows up after 40 years. And I'm sure that Moses was sitting back and Moses was thinking to himself, hey, I got my life. I got my family. You know, I know God called me to do this ministry. I know God called me to lead these people out. I know they had something special for me to do, but I've blown it and knew I, I've gotten past that. I'm just going to settle for less. Perhaps you find yourself, you've blown it and you're thinking to yourself, I'm just going to settle for less. Then God shows up out of nowhere into a burning bush. Said, so Moses, I'm calling you. And Moses, is like, whoa, 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 what? I can't, you calling me? I can't even talk that well. You calling me to do what? And how do you know Moses is one of the greatest leaders of all because God gave him a second chance? Peter. You remember Peter? Peter said, Lord, no matter what happened, everybody else is going to deny you, but me? I will never deny you. I will die for you, Jesus. How do know when Peter said that he meant it? He meant it. Peter said, I will die for you. I will, I will give my life for you, Jesus. And when pressure came, Peter, he fell. He choked. They said, do you know him? You look like you've been hanging around him. In fact, you got the same accent. You're from the country. You sound like him. Peter said, I don't know him. In fact, the, the scripture really says, scripture says that Peter was so adamant that he began to curse and swear. I don't know Jesus, don't know him. And just a little, uh, just the day before, he was talking about, I will, I will go with you. But he fell. And the scripture says that when Jesus made eye contact with Peter, Peter was so convicted, the Bible says that when Peter looked at Jesus, Peter went and he wept bitterly. Mm -hmm. You know why he cried? Because perhaps he knew he had failed. He had failed Jesus. He had done wrong. And perhaps Peter was thinking that maybe I'll never be able to get back what I lost. But how do we know Peter became the leader of the apostles? God shows back up and says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. But Peter, do you really love me? Oh, you know it. Feed my sheep. Feed my lamb. Peter is back in ministry. And how many we know he was bold? Brother preaching to get 3,000 people people get saved when he preaches. How many we know that's called anointing? That's not a gift of a man. That's the gift of the Holy Ghost. So Peter preaching, 3,000 people got saved. But it was after he had failed. So let's take a look at this woman's story here. Let's, let's look at this woman. Okay, she, she's, First of all, Jesus is in the midst. He's. Jesus was a teacher. Whenever he came around in the crowds, people always showed up because he had profound things to say. He was, uh, he was merciful. He was loving. And Jesus would, and Jesus would say words that, that, that the people would say, where did this man get this kind of wisdom? We never heard a man speak. Like this. And so here it is. Jesus is in the mist. And, and are y'all cold? Everybody comfortable? Okay. Um, so Jesus is in the mist because I feel good. and Usually when I feel good, you guys are warm. Uh, so that's why I asked that question. So, But Jesus is in the mist. And all of a sudden, the Pharisees, now you got to understand that these guys were always trying to, watch this, kill Jesus. They weren't trying to destroy his ministry. They wanted to kill him. They were plotting every day, how can we kill Jesus? So Jesus is out there. He's teaching, and and they bring this woman out. The Bible says that she was caught in the very act of adultery. Do I need to say any more? My guess is she probably had no more than a sheet on. The way they paraded this woman out. They dragged, and remember, there was a whole bunch of people, because Jesus was teaching by the temple. He was at the temple. Brought them them to the church and dragged this woman and said, look, Jesus, you're supposed to be a man of God. This woman was caught in the very act. What are we supposed to do? Because, you know, we know what they were ready to do. They all had stones. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Boy, they had some nice rock. You see, you see Leviticus, what it was, I think it's Leviticus uh, 20, 10. The law required, watch this, that if, this is the Jewish law, that, that if a man who commits adultery with another woman, a man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. That's the way it was back in there. Now, how many here? Yeah. there'd be a lot of people just whoop, <laughs> dropping like flies. Sad to say. But that's how they did it back in the old days. If you were caught committing adultery, boom, they bring you out. They sit you up. You stand up against the wall here, and they take the biggest rock, and they throw stones at you until you died. That's how they did it. So they bring this woman out. Jesus is on the scene. And they think they got him because their whole thing was to trap him. But we want to trap Jesus. I mean, we're going to trap him because you see, see, uh, uh, Jewish, see, Jews could not, they could not uh, do capital punishment. Only the Romans could do that. They could not execute anybody. So here, here, here's what the dilemma: is. so they bring this woman out in front of Jesus. Say, Jesus, okay, okay, the woman was caught in adultery. What say you? Because they're trying to trap him. Because if he says that the woman is innocent, then he would get in trouble with the Jews. Who with the law said that you got to stone her. If he said that she was guilty and executed her, then he would get in trouble with the Romans. Because they, then they could go back and say that Jesus is trying to, trying to teach that we can kill this woman. And the Jews, they could not do, they could not execute anybody. They had to get authority from the Romans to do it. So they got Jesus. I mean, they look like they got Jesus between his rock and his hard place. And they're saying, Jesus, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And what did Jesus, what did Jesus say to all the folks who came and paraded this woman? He, he first, he writes on the ground. They're saying, they're asking him a question. And he's acting like he's not hearing. <laughs> See, one of the, the things that God, you learn as a believer, as you grew up in the Lord, that, that keeping your mouth shut is wisdom. Sometimes the best answer you got for people is not to say a word. <laughs> that was free. Y'all would have take that? But I got another question before we go back into that. But can somebody tell me, where was the guy? That she was committing this sin with. I mean, how many you know it takes two to what? Where is the brother, the dude, whatever you want to call him, the man? Where is he? So, no doubt we're talking here about some kind of a trap. They're trying to set the master up. And, and who knows that maybe they concocted this whole thing and. Who who knows what they did, but we can clearly see that obviously there was some trap because they didn't even bring the man out there. They brought the woman out there. And, you know, legalists love to do that. They love to spotlight certain sins but their own. People that are legalistic and judgmental, they love to point out other folks' sin. But when it comes to themselves, (laughs) I'm not really that bad because I'm not doing what you're doing. (laughs) I'm a little bit better (laughs) because I ain't doing that. I mean, I got a problem with cussing, but that's about it. I ain't, I, I ain't doing nothing else. I got a problem. I'm a little violent sometimes, but you know, I ain't doing crack. We like to compare ourselves with one another, don't we? We like to compare. You know, I'm really like that. That's how we do. And so, Jesus, he didn't say a word In this, initially. They're sitting there, they're saying, what say you, what say you, what say you? And he just, he starts writing on the ground. Now, now, what is he writing? You know, there's been a lot of speculation. No, he didn't have a pen. He's probably just writing. I've heard a lot of sermons, a lot of people talk about uh, what he wrote on the ground. You know, he perhaps he wrote down every sin of every person that was there and i've heard people try to make these big theological debates and you know that he wrote something profoundly deep that they saw it and they just they got, they got nervous the fact of the matter is we don't know what he wrote on the ground we don't really know but we know what he said and here's what he said He who is without sin, let him throw the first stone. Now, you would think all these self-righteous guys that they would just start. No, Jesus, you know, you remember we said earlier he couldn't commit one way or the other. He couldn't commit. Because if he he said innocent, you know that he would get in trouble with the Jews. If he said guilty, he would get in trouble with the Romans. So Jesus was full of wisdom. He just simply said, he who is without sin, go ahead, throw the first stone. The Bible says from the oldest to the youngest, they all walked away. You know why they walked away? Because Jesus made them look at themselves. We need to be a people to have a habit of looking at ourselves, because see, if I paint, if I point my finger at Naomi, how many are coming back at me? You see that? Hey. Jesus, he says, "He who is all sin, let him cast the first stone." And what he was dealing with was that judgmental attitude, that, that, that judgmental spirit, because Jesus knew what was in them. And they walked away, and Jesus looked at the woman. Now, what do you think that Jesus would say to this woman? Or, you know, some people probably thought, well, this is a moment Jesus is really going to, because the Pharisees, the way they dealt with that, I mean, they were harsh. But Jesus looked at the woman, he says, where are your accusers at? Where are they? Where are all the people that accuse you, drag you out front here before everybody to highlight how wretched of a person you are? Where are they? Are there any condemners here? And she says, no, Lord, they all left. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What? What? You got to be kidding me. No, he did not. No, he did not just let this woman. Because somebody will look at that and perhaps think, you know, that Jesus was, you know, he was a little light on sin. How I mean, you know Jesus wasn't light on sin. But Jesus had a mission. See, Jesus did not come to judge. Okay, I, they all look at me like you don't believe me. Okay, let, let me explain. Look at John chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Watch this. Starting in verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, watch this, but have everlasting life. Now watch this. For God did not. Now here's why God sent Jesus. Now this is very important because we quote this a lot and I think we miss it. Because if we get this down, it'll change the way we think about people and we do ministry. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Write this down. Luke nineteen ten. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John 1, 17. Write this down. For the law was given through Moses, watch this, but grace and truth yes. came through Jesus Christ. Amen. See, when God sent this Son, he knew he already knew that we were messed up. How many know Jesus know how messed up we are? So when he came, he did not come to pull off the covers and say, look at, look at this sin. Look at how bad this person is. Jesus didn't come to do that. He came to seek and to save. That which was lost, it was the foundation for how he did ministry. He came to heal. He came to lift people from where they are. He knew that they were dying. He knew they were on their way to hell. And he, was, he came to say, listen, I'm your ticket out. I've come and let you know that you don't have to stay in bondage. You don't have to stay jacked up the way you are. I came to let you know that there's a better way. Hallelujah. I came to let you know that I'm going to cover you. If you believe in me, I'll take away your sin. I won't just cover your sin. I'll take them away. Now I want to him who is able to keep us from falling. And present us faultless. I mean, no, you can't present yourself faultless. You can't do it. So Jesus came. His mission was to come to seek and to save that which was lost. He did not come to be judgmental. He did not come to just try to expose people's sin to say that. that Look what they got. Look what they did. Look what kind of people they are. And sometimes we forget that because that's exactly what we do you going to some places, some circles, and it's like all they want to do is spot y'all to see what you're doing, what's kind of, what kind of sin is going on in your life. I mean, no, we don't need to go digging up nobody's stuff. That's right. That's right. We need to be digging up in our own closets. That's right. There's enough stuff going on in our own stuff. I tell people all the time, I got it. Listen, it's enough trying to keep me straight. That's right. Amen. I got my own issues. Amen. I know I said the word wrong. I did it on purpose. It's just (laughs) Ebonics in the sermon this morning. So Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So he did not come to judge. See, his whole purpose and mission was to save. And that's why he dealt with people. That's why he dealt with this woman this way, because he came to to set her free. He came to let her know. Now, he said to her, go and don't do the sin again. Let you me know there are consequences to sin. We can't just sugarcoat and say, oh, brother, it's okay to sin. No, it, you, you, you're about stupid if you think that way. And I didn't call nobody stupid. I said, you're about stupid. <laughs> if you think that way. So y'all don't think that way, right? Amen. Right? Amen. Right. No, we don't think that way. But, but, but Jesus, Jesus, he set this woman free. And he's come to set you free and to keep you free. The who the sun says, free is free indeed. The beauty of our gospel, it, it comes to lift people out of where they are. And we need to stop trying to, trying to highlight, spotlight and check out everybody else's sin and figure out a way to love them out of it. I'm going to love you. I'm going to help you get up. I see you're struggling with this sin. I know you're struggling. I'm going to help you, brother. I'm going to help you, sister, because I don't want you to stay where you are. I'm going to lift you up. That's the way God wants us to be. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Real quick, real quick, turn there real quick. Matthew chapter number 7. So y'all getting this fresh picture of what Jesus is like. He's a lover of people. He came to heal, to save, and deliver And we're to carry that same message. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5 says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank or the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know what he's really saying there? That your sin's balls worse than the person you're trying to deal with. Right. Now what? He's Jesus ushering in a whole new way of thinking. Is what he's doing. He's saying, "We need to first deal with the stuff that we got going on." Well, I ain't. I don't have that problem. What we ain't really talking about that problem. Maybe your problem is some other problem, but it's a what problem? And you remember we said last week that we want to always operate from a base of grace in your life as a believer. That when you come across and you share the good news, when you you minister to people, that you always come from an attitude of grace. Grace. Look at Romans chapter 6 real quick, real quick. We're about done. Romans chapter 6. How many of you say you're a mature believer? Come on, don't be shy. How many of you would say I'm a mature believer? I got one amen. Do I get another one? I got two amen to Can I get another four 14? I can't do that. I can't do that. That's not my gift. Hallelujah. What is that anyway? Oh, gosh. Gal- <laughs> Galatians, we're, we're, we're about ready to land the plane right now. Oh, Galatians. Y'all need to pay more attention. Y'all need to pay more attention. Galatians. See, I just make see. That's that's why I like this about this church. Y'all awesome. Y'all read the book. Y'all be getting me all straight. I like that kind of stuff. Keep me straight. Cause that's one of the few times I'll be wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Oh no, I'm just kidding. All right, are you there? Almost. Oh, almost five. Okay, we're gonna land this plane. Four, three, two, one. Here we go, brethren. Now, now, first of all, who's my mature Christians in here? Cause we got a message for you. Okay. We got three. Here we got four. Oh, hey, we got four. Good, good. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any, everybody say any, any, any trespass, watch this now, you who are spiritual, or in other words, mature, that's what that means, restore such a one in a spirit of what? Gentleness, considering your what? Self, lest you also be tempted. In other words... Watch this, he's saying, mature Christians always seek to restore with grace. If you call yourself a mature believer, you're always seeking to restore people. It's not that you ignore where they are, because I got to tell you where you are because I love you too much. I mean, no, that you got to love people too much to let them stay where they are. If you see somebody in a house and the house is on fire, come on. You know, I ain't gonna say, "Well, praise the Lord. You know, you you'll be all right. Just hang in there." No, I'm gonna try to get you out. Come on, I'm crazy. Somebody, I'm gonna call, at least call the fire department. <laughs> and if I really like you, I might go in. <laughs> My white baby, you know, it's on fire. I'm coming in after you, baby. I'm, being, oh, I'm coming in. We we got we we going in heaven together. So we gotta tell people where they are. We gotta let people know your house is burning down. And if you don't stop, their house is going to crumble. We got to tell people that because we love them. But we tell them in a way. But, you know, when, when think about it, when the house is burning down, and, and let's just say my brother right here, he, he just, is a visitor, but, you know, we, we all right. But if, my, if this brother isn't Tim, right, if Tim is in the house and the house is burning down. And I go in the house. I rescue Tim. I get him out of the fire And I drag. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I mean, the stuff is coming down, and I'm struggling, and we're both. And I drag him out. Chances are, Tim's going to be pretty happy. I got him out of that fire. Am I right about it? Tim probably want to tip me, give me money, take me out, pay for my college. All that. He make my kids' college education. I'm too old. I already went. But you know, Tim's going to be pretty happy because I dragged him out of the fire. But how come sometimes the world look at us and we want to drag people out of the fire, they get mad at us? If we do it right, with an the, with the attitude of grace, people will realize, oh, you loved me. This is why you came and pulled me out of this. I didn't go pull them out and tell them about, brother, how are you, what, 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 what you, you stupid? What are you doing? How did you set the house on fire? What you fellas? See, what's wrong with you? I didn't go into all that. I just got the brother out. I don't need to know the details about, mm-hmm. we just got a life to save. The fire department don't show up. How I many of you, if you're in the house in the fire, you don't want the fire department showing up and they're trying to figure out before they pull you out of the fire, how the fire got started. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? That's right? But sometimes we always want to know all the little details. Yeah. Jesus wasn't concerned about all the little details. Jesus was concerned about, I'm here to save you. That's right, yeah. I'm here to get you out the fire. I'm here to deliver you. And you know, everybody he brought out, boy, they were happy about it. You know why? Because they saw his love. And when you share the, and here's was the underlining problem with the Pharisees. There was no love, no mercy, and no grace in what they did. Not that they, they didn't call sin, sin, because no doubt this woman was probably caught. She was in adultery. She was wrong, but they exuded no mercy, No grace. And Jesus, that bug Jesus. We have to be people of grace. Amen. That when they when they when they fall, they fall. We're gonna go get them. We're gonna go tell them. We're gonna love. But we gotta love them. We got if you don't if you're a person who don't who can't make that connection, fast. Pray and say, Lord, change my heart. Make make me melt so that I would really love that person, the way that you love that person. That's right. That's right. I want to be able to see people. I want to see Troy the way that Jesus see Troy. Amen. You follow me? Because then Troy will respond the way he needs to respond because I'm, I'm, I'm doing it right. I'm connected with Jesus. And when you connect with Jesus, fruit come up all over the place. Amen. When you're really connected with him. That's good. So we want to be a people of grace. Amen? Amen? Every head is bowed, every eyes closed. Maybe you've heard this word this morning and